1: Well, the decorations are up, and we are singing Christmas hymns and Christmas carols, and it is that season to celebrate the birth of Christ. It's hard to believe that it's only two weeks away, actually exactly two weeks away. This is one of those special years where Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, so we'll be together worshiping. And so as we think about Christmas and the significance it holds for Christians, but also the world... I thought it would be appropriate and perhaps no better way to honor Jesus Christ in His coming and birth than to continue in the book of James. (laughs) We will do a special Christmas message on Christmas Day, but the reality is understanding the Word of God and honoring God is to understand and preach and read the whole counsel of God. And so we will continue in the book of James until two weeks from today. When I was growing up, they had what uh, apparently uh, streaming services have destroyed, and that is weekday afternoon cartoons. You guys remember this? You would rush home and have a snack and uh, tell your parents you had done your homework and then turn on the TV and watch TV shows such as one of my favorites, G.I. Joe, Great American Hero. G.I. Joe as a cartoon was based on a toy that had existed long before the cartoon came about. And at a certain point, the producers of the show made a very wise decision. Since they knew it was children who were watching this show, they uh, allied with a department in the government and started doing PSAs, public service announcements, at the end of, I believe it was every episode that would include Part of the cartoon and the different characters. And they were teaching children different things. For example, one that I just saw a couple days ago was a kid, frying pan, and he's cooking up a little snack in the afternoon. His brother comes out and says, Are you cooking? Does mama know? Is she home? He's like, No, she's not home. And sure enough, the flames engulf the drapes that are right in front of the stove because everyone has drapes right in front of the stove that are flammable. And there's a fire. And the kids look at each other and they say, quick, call the fire department. And in rushes in the G.I. Joe who's known for putting out fires and he says, no kids, run outside first and then when you're safe, call the police and the fire department from a neighbor's house. And The idea was, he goes on to explain, that fire can spread rapidly, and so you want to make sure you get out first and then call. And then they say, thanks, flamethrower, or whatever the guy's name is. I don't remember. He said, you you saved our lives. Now we know. And the G.I. Joe always goes, knowing is half the battle. And that's how it ends. And the idea is, you got to learn these tips, kids. you got to be smart. you got to remember what the G.I. Joes tell you so that you won't drown when you're swimming, your house won't burn down when you're cooking, you won't pet a rabid dog, things like this. These are all actual uh, subject matters of the various knowing is half the battle PSAs at the end of G.I. Joe. The idea is, you've given us advice. We know something that can help us, protect us. Now I know And knowing is half the battle. And when it comes to the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, hearing is half the battle. It is very important. As with those kids who now know the dangers of fire, it is good and it is helpful knowledge. It is knowledge that can protect you, it is knowledge that can do good, but only if. The next time those poorly placed drapes in their kitchen set on fire, they actually remember and practice what they had learned. And it is the same with the Word of God. Knowing is half the battle, but knowing is only half the battle. And as we have studied the book of James... We have learned how it is important to hear, to receive the word of God. But that's only half. We must continue as believers and put into practice that which the great G.I. Joe in the sky, our Lord Jesus Christ, has taught us through his word and put it into practice when difficulties come, when good times come, when life goes on. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, would you? join me there james chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 it's been a couple weeks but we pick off where we left off where we we're talking about hearing the word of god and now he connects that thought with the word but james 1 22 through 25 but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves this morning I'd like to give to you three warnings. Three warnings about hearing the Word of God. Yes, warnings. We have talked about how important it is to hear, read, listen to, whatever you want, whatever input you get with the Word of God. It is so important to know the Word of God, to receive it. But now there are three warnings that James gives us. Because again, hearing is not enough. And so, jumping right in, I want to give you the first warning about hearing the Word of God, and that is the delusion of hearing. Using words straight from James himself, the delusion of hearing. Look again at verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. The word but, of course, connects us with the previous passage. Let's take a look, starting back in verse 18. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. Now in that passage verses 18 through 21 of James 1 we talked about receiving the word, hearing, listening, reading. It is the intellectual reception of the word of God as well as the heart's acceptance and understanding. And again, this is vitally important. Without knowing the word, not only would be would we be ignorant of God's plan for us, we would be ignorant of God. It is in the scriptures, in the word of God, in the Bible, in the word that we learn about the details of God. Yes, Romans chapter 1 tells us because of creation around us, because of our consciences, knowing a general morality of right or wrong, we understand there is a higher power. There is a greater being. There is a creator God. But nature does not tell us the the details. Nature does not tell us that the coming king's name is Emmanuel, God with us. Nature does not tell us he will be born of a virgin. Our consciences do not tell us that we cannot earn our salvation, but someone came to pay for us. It is within the Word of God that we understand the details and the reality of God. And so it is important to know the Word of God. Not just for the understanding of what we are to do, but the understanding of the One who gives us those commands. The ability and the guidelines to be holy people for His name's sake. But again, hearing is just half the battle. Hearing is only the beginning. It is not enough to just receive the Word of God. We must do it. We must respond to it in action In thoughts. In fact, James says in our verse here, verse 22, that the believer who hears the word but does not do it is delusional. And you say that applies certainly to unbelievers. To hear the saving power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the offer of the free gift of eternal life, to read about that and not respond to that would be delusional. Absolutely, I agree. But he is speaking to believers here. He is speaking to those in the church. He is speaking, remember, to Jewish Christians, that is, ethnically Jewish, those who followed the Jewish religion, but then Jesus came and the gospel was presented. They knew the Messiah had come and they received him, and so that they, are, they are now Christians. We say Jewish Christians not because they are practicing Jews, but because you understand that being Jewish is also an ethnicity. And so they were Jewish Christians converts to christianity my point here being that they grew up understanding the old testament they grew up having the old testament ingrained into their minds and so they knew it and all the more james says if you know it but you don't do it you are delusional and it seems to us that james was very aware of the tendency of the believer back then to hear the word of God and not obey it, and I believe the same problem exists today. So he says, and I quote, prove yourselves doers of the word. Be doers of the word, says the ESV. And the Greek word in the NAS simply means become. Become doers of the word. But there's a tense in the Greek that this word is in that calls for a habitual or constant becoming or doing. In the Christian life, you understand in your own experience that you can't just become something in terms of following the Word of God, and then you just coast down the road and it continues doing that. You have to keep at it, keep trying. And doing the Word of God means doing all of it. There's a lot of it. And so we struggle with something, and so we focus on this thing, and then we forget, oh, I forgot about this. And then you go back here, and then you read the Word, and you're like, oh yeah, there's that. And you got to keep becoming, keep, keep becoming, keep becoming. A doer is just that. Someone who does something. And in this case, the something is everything that is laid out for us in the New Testament. Do it. Perform it. Act upon it. Respond when we understand the fullness of what God desires, that we also know that James is not talking about just lip service. He's not just talking about external behavior. Because doing the Word of God is not complete unless you are doing it with the right heart attitude. That is very clear in the Scriptures. So you would really be having to take the New Testament piecemeal if you're just doing things externally. Externally. And you're not praying or striving or changing your heart and your motivation, your mind, so that you want to do those things for the Lord and not just for yourself or reputation or to look good or even for the sake of the church, even for the sake of the kids, for the family, the marriage. No, you do it for the Lord. That's clearly in Scripture. And so when we say do it, it doesn't just mean, okay, what do I need to do? I need to go to church. I need to do this, do this, do this. Everything that's visible... Doing the Word of God also means that which is only visible to the Lord, and that is the heart. It is your entire being. Does not the Word of God say the very essence of Christianity is to love the Lord your God with what? Actions? Not just that. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and then your strength. It's everything. And The only way that we will be characterized by doing the Word is is if it fills and then stems from your inner being. This then also requires a commitment, as I mentioned, to the entirety of the Word of God. We are called very plainly, very simply, very generally to be doers of the Word. Not doers of part of it, not just the parts we like, not just addressing the sins in our lives that really bother us or make life more difficult, not just the sins that we see in others that annoy us, all of it be doers of the Word. Not just the Gospels, not just the Epistles, not just what Paul says, not just what Paul says in his own experience, all of it be doers of the Word. When we teach our children, you need to follow the law We don't just mean some of it. We don't just mean the parts that, we may be thinking this, this may be why the conversation comes out, but we don't just mean only cross when there's the white hand, only cross at a crosswalk when it's safe. But we also mean don't start fires at school, don't stab people, don't steal But do we list all of those things? No, we just say, follow the law. And when he says, be doers of the word, we understand he means all of it. It is fine. It is good. It is profitable to have a favorite verse, a spiritual discipline that you enjoy more than others. That may very well be your spiritual gift, a particular sin that you have overcome, that you enjoy helping others with. But we cannot ignore the rest of the Scriptures. And we definitely cannot justify sin in our lives simply because we're obeying in another area. Oh, I know this is bad and God doesn't like that, but man, you know I'm doing well here. Praise God! But now let's work together on this. Do all of it. I think sometimes we do that. We're really good at something, we're passionate about something, and so we justify ignoring other things. In fact, sometimes we justify certain sins by our obedience to another thing. Well, it's it's because I'm I'm passionate about the world and I want the world to glorify God, which is why I badmouth and slander and gossip about politicians. How does that work? Well, I just, you know, sometimes getting mad at my kids is good because I just want them to obey the Lord. I want them to submit to authority, and so it's okay that I yell at them. It's okay that I spank in anger cuz that's when they really get it. No, you're you're totally twisting everything. Be doers of the word. And I know it's easy to get frustrated. That sometimes you come to a church like this and you think they're going to think the same way I do about certain things. And you can get frustrated when they don't. You say, why aren't you speaking up more about COVID or Trump or Biden? Isn't this a conservative church? Why aren't you standing up more against unbiblical COVID restrictions, sexual immorality, abortion, whatever it is? We're concerned about those things. But it may be that people are just so preoccupied trying to do all of the Word that they don't have time to spend weekends pursuing certain things that you, which is fine, are passionate about. We need to fulfill all of the Word. There's a whole canon of Scripture that needs to be undertaken for the Christian to truly be a doer and whether it's a certain areas of Scripture or the whole of it, we must heed the warning to be a doer, and as James continues, not just a hearer. Remember that James's original audience was made up of Jewish converts to Christianity. And when James talks about hearing the Word, they would immediately be reminded of their Jewish upbringing and where they heard the Word all the time. Reading the law of God aloud was integral to every aspect of the Jewish life, not just in the synagogues on the Sabbath, but also in their educational processes. There were rules which they adhered to, where certain passages of Scripture, whether read from the Torah or memorized, would be recited before they could eat, before they could go to bed, before they could put on their clothes in the morning. It was read all the time. They heard it all the time by their fathers at home, by their teachers at school, by their priests and rabbis. And so you can see how it would be easy to start hearing the Word and even memorizing the Word but not doing the Word. In other words, being merely hearers and not doers. And as faithful Christians in the 21st century, Gentile, non-Jewish Christians, the same goes for us. We hear the Word preached week after week. And it is, can become easy to become content just knowing the Word, just being part of a solid church, just hearing it. And though we may not hear it as much as the child growing up in a Jewish home, these days, many of us, not from our teachers, not from our fathers, we hear from our blogs, from YouTube, from the recordings, from the radio, live on Sunday mornings. We hear it all the time. And it can be easy to just think that the end-all, be-all of Christianity is hearing the solid, conservative Word of God preached. And that's it. In fact, the word that James uses here Hearer was used of someone who sat in an audience of sorts and listened to someone sing or speak. It was passive engagement like you did not in that small classroom where you needed to be prepared because the teacher might call on you, but in that large lecture hall of two, three, four hundred people in college where students were not called on to answer questions. They were just expected to listen. In fact, you don't speak up because he has a lecture To get through, and if you have a question, he has office hours. Just passively listen. You don't take notes. No one's going to call you out. You don't show up for the exam. No one cares if you don't show up for class. No one even knows. But if you go, it's just passive listening. This is the word that James is using. Don't use. Don't become rather a passive listener. Someone who comes to church. Someone who turns on that podcast. And just listens without being fully engaged, like in a classroom, like at a concert, like in this portion of our worship service. Don't just passively listen. Engage your mind, engage your heart. Because let's be honest if you do not sing or stand during a worship set, if you don't hold a Bible during scripture reading, no one's gonna call you out. Probably nobody's even going to notice. And so you can see how it can become easy to get into the habit of just listening, just hearing, praising God, you finally found a solid church, but then just listening and just hearing. And if you are doing this as a Christian, then God Himself through James is saying you are delusional. You are deluding yourself. That word delude is a word that refers to incorrect reasoning. Some sort of miscalculation. In other words, if you think this is okay, or you don't even think it's okay, you haven't even a- actively engaged your mind to that point, that's just what you do, then you have mis- grossly miscalculated the Christian life. You have misunderstood church. You have miscalculated why someone like me exists. Why your favorite preacher on the radio, your favorite blogger, Christian blogger, why they do what they do. It's not just so you will hear and listen. This word delude often has the idea of deception. False reasoning on purpose in Colossians 2.4, it is used of false teachers who lead others astray on purpose. Why are Christians who hear the Word but not doing the Word deluding themselves? Because properly hearing the Word means hearing what you're supposed to do in response. Hearing the Word of God is not just so you know what to do and not do it. Hearing the Word of God is not just so you know more, so you can debate theology. When you hear the Word of God, especially the New Testament, over and over again, you hear commands. So to hear a command, in the very essence, the foundation, the fundamentals of listening to that, is listening to what you are supposed to do. And we say that. Right? Hey, buddy, your teacher's talking. Listen up. She's given the rules. Okay. Line up. Put your backpacks on the floor. Okay, I heard. And then run off and go throw the backpack in the slide and watch it go down or whatever. Right? We understand that the purpose of saying listen up is to hear the rules and then follow the rules. And here's the reality no true Christian would believe that just knowing the Word is enough. And even say hearing. Knowing. No true Christian would believe that memorizing the entirety of the Bible is enough. We must do it. If you truly hear the Word of God and believe you don't have to be a doer of the Word, it's not because, oh, I missed that verse in the Bible or I miss that day where he preached about that. No. It's so connected into every chapter of the New Testament that to hear is to do that for anyone to think that the Word is just there to be heard is delusional. One commentator says this, the person who fails to do the Word is is a person who has not truly accepted God's Word at all. The person who fails to do the Word is a person who has not truly accepted God's Word at all. We must do it. Do we fail? Yes, often. It's part of your nature. But that's okay. Keep proving yourselves. Keep becoming a doer of the Word. Do difficulties come? Absolutely. Do you get into a, a funk or a trial in which you are so exhausted and so your, your mind is just blank that you don't want to do it? All the more, prove yourself as a doer of the Word. When things are going really well, spiritually. When you have overcome that sin, everything is going stupendously. All you can do is praise God, you better do the Word. Oftentimes it's then that you need it more than ever. Would you turn with me to the beginning of your New Testaments as Matthew chapter 7. We read a portion of this in our scripture reading this morning. I want to read it for you again. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 27. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 27. Which is a great picture of the reality of the importance of doing the word the reality of the fact that Christians will do the Word. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, and in your name attend a conservative church, and in your name read every John MacArthur book, known to man and in your name give tons of money to Ligonier and in your name become a member of that church and in your name memorize the scriptures and in your name rebuke other Christians for not doing the word and in your name catechize my children and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness not good job listening you should have done it lawlessness Verse 24, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Here it is, verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Notice, they heard the words. Verse 27, The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You say, oh, I don't want this. I don't want this to happen. What's the fall? Uh, Is God going to punish me somehow? Is something bad going to happen to my life? Depart from me, I never knew you. This, to be clear, is not earning your salvation by doing the Word. It is proof that you already are in the Lord. And this is why this makes sense. We can't earn our salvation, but it is a proper response for the true believer, a desire to obey the Word. There is a reality of hardening our consciences to the Word, disobedience, which seems small at first but gets greater and greater as we get more and more engulfed into the sin and we go down that dangerous, hellish rabbit hole. And so it may be that you are a true believer, but you have so removed yourself from doing the Word of God despite hearing it week after week, reading it every morning and every night, that you have gone away, you have strayed away. You can still quote, you can still rebuke, you can still debate, you can still lead other people to the Lord Jesus Christ by preaching the gospel, but you yourself are not doing it. You may be a believer, but you are so engrossed in your sin that you're not doing it anymore. At least not the way you can and should. Romans 2.13, it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. This is very dangerous for us because we know the truth. This came up in a very difficult conversation I had quite recently. And the reality is, this is not biblical, this is just my limited experience. The reality is, within churches, the more solid the doctrine, the less loving they are. The more liberal, the more seeker-sensitive, the more charismatic, the more loving, the more sacrificial, the more serving they are. This is a problem and makes no sense. And I believe it is because people are hearing the Word, but not doing the Word. And they take the Word, and they judge, and they confront and they rebuke, and they're trying to fix any line that is crooked, and they have forgotten the very basis of it all, which is love for one another. We know it. We just need to do it, and we need to do it properly. A few years ago, there was an ingenious advertisement, and it was one of those with a hidden camera that uh, filmed real life situations. I'll explain it to you, and I'll let you guess what the commercial was about and who paid for the commercial. The hidden camera would go around and find a couple people who were on a cigarette break. So a couple people that are just standing in the alley or outside of a business smoking cigarettes. And then they would send the child actor who was in on it, who would go up to them And of course, the adults would graciously kind of put their cigarettes down so they're not blowing secondhand smoke in the kid's face. But then the kid would pull out a cigarette. This is like a 10-year-old kid. And then pull out a lighter. And without fail, the smoking adults would go, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Why not, Mr.? oh, it's bad for you, you're going to get cancer, it's no good for you, you're going to get addicted. And the point was, these people know. Even smokers, given the choice, would tell a kid not to smoke, but they themselves keep doing it. In fact, they're doing it at that very moment. Telling people it's unhealthy, don't do it. It's bad for you. It doesn't feel good while they're doing it. And the point was clear. It was almost laughable if the adults didn't come off as so delusional. The same goes for us. Just knowing the word is not enough. Just telling other people about the word is not enough. Because if we think that the ability to warn others will not, while not obeying ourselves is godly or productive we are deluding ourselves we see this principle all around us people who have read the manual learned the lessons know the law but clearly don't apply them we see this on the 101 every single day we see this in our schools we see this in our own children and you can see this delusion even among conservative christians We bounce around, especially in this culturally liberal area, bounce around from church to church, frustrated, scared even, looking for a church that actually still preaches the Word of God. And they finally find a church that truly preaches the Word rather than some watered-down version of it. You cling to that church. And you are so content finally hearing the Word taught, being among like-minded believers who understand the same thing, that we could easily just stop there. I found a good church and I'm receiving solid preaching, not online, not from someone I've never met, but someone in a local church, and then we stop there. But attending a good church is not enough attending a good church is not enough you must be a good church you must be a doer and that means not just hearing the word doing it look look at the passage james has nothing against hearing the word it's very important he has a problem with only hearing the word and so should we because this delusion is so prevalent and because for the Jew especially hearing the Word was so frequent, frequent that it could become background noise, James goes on to illustrate the delusion with our second warning about hearing the Word of God, the danger of hearing. The danger of hearing. Look again at verses 23-24. through 24. If anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Now this picture often conjures up a passing glance at a mirror, which explains why he immediately forgets what he just saw. We read this verse and say, oh, he didn't really look at the mirror, he just saw himself rushed out to work, whatever it may be. And if that were the case, the lesson then would be to take more time looking at the mirror of the Word of God, staring at the mirror. But here's the thing. The vocabulary that James uses actually paints a very different picture and thus a very different application. You see, the word he uses that is translated looks in the English is anything but a fleeting glance. It is a word that means to consider attentively or to take note of. Which is why the ESV adds the word intently. He looks intently in the mirror. So the meaning would imply careful consideration of what one sees. And what he sees is his natural face, simply referring to his normal face that he was given at birth. Before it's done up, before any makeup is on, hair is combed. The mirror here is, of course, metaphorically speaking, of the Word of God, the Bible, And in the context of two men, the hearer and the doer, that is the one who only hears, and the one who hears then responds, they both use the mirror. They look intently and carefully at the reflection of themselves. They check to see if their hair is combed properly. They check to see if there's sleep in the corner of their eyes, if there's food in between their teeth. Both men, have carefully, not quickly, not fleetingly, have carefully examined their faces, see its state, and know what they are supposed to do. But take a look at what the hearer only does in response. Verse 24, For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And here we see the primary failure on the part of the one who only hears. He forgets. Although he has listened attentively, the degree to which he absorbed the word is merely superficial. The word looked in this verse is the same Greek word as in the verse 23. Again, to mean, it means to look attentively at. And we are reminded that this hearer sat in church. This hearer took notes on the sermon. This hearer praised the preacher for the powerful message, perhaps even felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that things must change. But he doesn't change, because James says he has immediately forgotten as soon as he walks out those doors. This is the danger of coming to church hearing the Word, reading the Word, or any other form of receiving the Word without a full commitment to put into practice what you have received. To be clear, we are talking about those who only hear and do not do. So whether it is forgotten immediately or if it's days later when the busyness of work comes about, regardless of the reason behind forgetting, if it is not followed through with action, then you are just a hearer. Deluded, and now we add dangerous. Deluded and dangerous. I am so thankful to the Lord when people come in from off the street and say, I have been so anxious lately, and just being at church really helped me. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's normally unbelievers who don't fully understand what's going on that say this, it's people who just look around, people are singing, there's someone speaking, it just seems very calming. Right? They don't, may not fully understand this, but there's power in the Word of God, even for the unbeliever. And so they're thankful they got away from the busyness of life and were able to just sit here, and it kind of resets their anxiety and their worry. But the Word of God is not some mystical thing where just by hearing it, we just oh, feel so good. You need to go out and do it. The work is out there. This is the easy part. No problem. I'll do the hard part on Sunday mornings. But then you guys go out there and you got to be doers of the Word. And like the one who looks at his disturbing appearance in the mirror quickly rushes to get his toothbrush, comb, and tissues, only to forget as soon as he turns from the mirror and then goes out looking the way he does. And the scary thing about this illustration is that some of us are more afraid of looking bad physically and going out in public than we are of behaving bad spiritually. This is a huge problem and we so quickly when we so quickly dismiss what God has revealed to us in his word we are doing ourselves harm and ultimately here's the point whomever it is whatever the situation whether it's convicted but forgets challenged but it's too hard to repent loves sound teaching but doesn't apply it or just hears the word but doesn't really listen the point is that it is delusional dangerous and just plain foolish to hear the Word without doing the Word. We don't look to others. We look to God. We don't say, this guy's not doing it, so I don't have to either. It appeases our conscience. Oh, that guy's a solid Christian. He doesn't really pray much, so I guess it's okay that I don't. We don't compare ourselves to others. Because you know what else happens then? We start thinking it's like a a, a scale system. Well, I don't I don't really have to do those things because a lot of bad things are happening to me. I'm in a difficulty. I'm real, you know, this guy has treated me harshly and so I deserve to just live my life. I deserve to not have to repent. I deserve to not have to do the hard work. We don't deserve nothing. And even that is what a horrible mindset. I deserve to not have to have that lottery guy and give me $10 million. Get off my doorstep. Who's on the ring doorbell? That giant check again. I deserve not to be bothered. You get to serve God. You get to do the hard work. How many of you complain about your boss? How many of you complain about your work, your coworkers, and yet you put in the hard work for them? And yet here it is, the creator of the universe. Like, meh, see you tomorrow. We get to serve God. Hard, yes. But what a privilege. And when we start getting in the mindset, I have to go. I have to do it. <sighs> Fine. All the world around me is dying in unbelief. And I have to go serve the One who saved me and killed His Son for my sins. Mm, doesn't make any sense. What grace! What a privilege! Do the hard work for the glory of God. There can be many reasons that we become just hearers. I've alluded to some already. Perhaps you can relate to the person who is so frustrated with bad theology and weak churches that you come to a place like this, you are so refreshed. You are filled with joy at hearing the Word preached that the joy and satisfaction at finding a place that loves the Word distracts you from actually doing the Word. You think coming and having found is the doing. It's not. Perhaps you're convicted about things you need to change. But when it comes down to it, you simply find it too hard and it's easier to just remain in your sin. It's easier to hide your sin from others than to actually repent. Which in and of itself is a huge problem. That you care what people think. Maybe the busyness of life just gets in the way. Kids, work, bills. Maybe your passions about political issues that intersect with Christian morality are your sole focus to the detriment of obeying the whole counsel of God. Because here's the thing about political issues. We need to stand up. We need to vote correctly. But if you're that passionate about, say, gender roles or abortion, I believe it's safe to assume that you as a believer are not having abortions. You're not encouraging your girlfriend or spouse to have an abortion. You are not in transition to becoming another gender. So, you're really not doing anything the Lord's called you to do. Do you see what I mean? The Lord doesn't say, be passionate about something you're not struggling with, and go protest that. Because there's sins in your lives that you need to do. Something about. You need to repent. You need to go pursue those things. You want to be a, a conservative uh, political protesters. Hey, more power to you but not to the detriment of what is most important, and that is your life. By virtue of the very fact of the thing you're protesting, I can assume that you're not doing those things yourselves. So find what you're struggling with, find what you're not doing, and go do it. Because you need holiness in your life, you need repentance in your life, you need obedience in your life, and frankly, we need you also serving us here, before you're serving society and whatever political agenda out there or in Sacramento or the White House or whatever. And many of you do both. And again, wonderful. But don't forget your priorities. I've shared this with you before. A guy that was in my college ministry back when I was leading a college ministry in in Los Angeles... He was very convicted on behalf of others as well, if you know what I mean, about submitting to local government. And he had a huge problem that the people who, the Christians who were giving him rides to and from church and other places were sometimes doing rolling stops at stop signs or just stopping for a second instead of three seconds or five seconds. So he was confronting them, rebuking them. He even went as far as to look up the traffic laws of that area, memorize them so he could help the church by confronting people on whatever traffic violations they are committing and thus in his mind disobeying God because we're not submitting to the rules of the land. But when it came to his pornography addiction, which by the way, he used his Christian roommate's computers for, he just said, well, I'm just addicted and there's Nothing I can do about it. But by the way, I counted and you only stopped for two seconds rather than three. He was so focused on the wrong things. Yeah, he knew the Word. And frankly, he was very passionate about an aspect of the Word of God that many Christians ignore and think we don't need to obey submission to government and the laws of the land. But that became his big thing to the detriment of his own life and his own immorality and relationship with God. But he justified it because he was correcting our driving skills. By the way, he's not walking with the Lord anymore. And frankly, I don't think he was at that time. I'm not saying that's who you are, but it is a warning straight from what we looked at Matthew 7. And so the answer to the question, if we are not to be hearers only, who should we be? The answer is obvious. The hearer only is contrasted with the one who truly looks into God's Word and responds. The type of person we are saved to be, and we see this in our third warning about hearing the Word of God, the design of hearing. We've seen the delusion, the danger, and now the design of hearing Very quickly, verse 25, But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Up until this point, all the warnings we have seen are to make sure our lives fit within what is described here in verse 25, what God has designed us for and what he has designed hearing the word for. First, We are to look intently at God's perfect law, not the law of Moses. Again, James has a primarily Jewish audience, and so he's using the word law as a synonym to the word which he used previously. And here it refers to the Old Testament law as interpreted, supplemented, and perfected by Jesus Christ. In other words, the New Testament. It is the final version of the law that is complete and comprehensive. It is fitting that James uses law here because he is talking about obeying God's word. When we talk about law, it brings to mind a focus on the things we need to obey, on commands. The first thing you will notice is that the doer, or rather, the first thing you will notice that the doer does is that he looks intently at the law. I like this word. In the Greek, it literally means to stoop down and look at intently to examine something. It's the same word used in First 1 Peter 1.12 that speaks of angels longing to look and understand the Gospel. They don't need the blood of Christ. It's also used to describe how John and Mary looked into the empty tomb in John 20. This is great, right? I mean, they were, their minds were blown. They were remember the, the the disciples didn't understand that he would be raised again. So they're mourning. They go to prepare his body for burial, and surely they wouldn't just be like, "Eh, he's not here, right?" They'd be like, "Where is he? Did the body roll off? Did some, You know? Are there any signs of him?" They would look intently everywhere for him. And in keeping with James's illustration, you have probably found yourself stooping down to examine, in a mirror more carefully, a particular part of your face. Pinching, squeezing, adjusting, doing whatever you can to get the clearest picture of what you're trying to see. And that's how we are to approach God's Word. And this is why, praise God, I'm thankful for all of you that you appreciate expository preaching. Because you don't want an overview, look at the mirror, you want to squint down and have me tell you what every word means. And this is what we are to do in our lives. James proceeds to call this the law of liberty. We understand this, emphasizes the freedom we have in the gospel, freedom from bondage to sin and the freedom to pursue and live out righteousness the way we were created to be. And after looking intently at the Word, the law of liberty, the believer then, quote, abides by it. Obeys it. Literally stays by its side. Like walking down a path side by side with someone. The believer stays close to the Word. Continues in it. Learns it to understand it so he can obey it. And in so doing, James continues, this person then is not a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. Not just doing it, but an effectual doer. He uses the word effectual to emphasize the doing. The phrase in the Greek literally means, the phrase effectual doer, literally means a doer who does. And in the end, as we all know, this man will be blessed in what he does. It is not just the promise of blessing as a reward for obedience, but you understand the doing of it itself, in and of itself, is a blessing. Because the true believer has no greater joy and satisfaction than being brought into alignment with God's Word. Holiness. Doing what he desires. Fulfilling any attribute of God that is possible to fulfill in yourself. And alignment with God's will is not just an understanding, but you understand it is in action. So this is more than hearing good preaching, but also closely studying on your own. And as you do that and continue to study and hear and learn, there are constant adjustments and changes. This is never just a one-and-done situation. Because as you have looked intently in the mirror and fixed what you saw this morning you know that tomorrow morning you're going to do it again. Or hopefully you will do it again. And then again. And if you're going out for dinner, you'll do it tonight. If you're going to a friend's house this afternoon, you'll probably crank that car rearview mirror down and do it again before you walk in their home. Over and over again, adjusting. Knowing that even though you combed your hair this morning, there was nothing on your face, there may be a little piece of whatever in your teeth and then you pick that out and before you go to your next destination you know there may be something hanging out of your nose or your collar is astray or whatever it may be we keep looking and adjusting because a doer is marked by the work not what he has done in the past not what the church not the church he attends not what he can quote or how quickly he can point out others deficiencies he is marked by the work In his own life. And so we are to hear the Word of God. But that is only half of it. Which is why we have three warnings. The delusion of hearing. The danger of hearing. The design of hearing. Because yes, praise God, hearing is half the battle. But a battle, half won, is a battle lost. this man will be blessed in what he does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your grace and Your goodness in revealing Your Word to us. Thank You, though we know that You are just as good and just as praiseworthy for those who don't have this. We thank You that we here in this room have the freedom to look at Your Word. That is not an adjusted form of the Word that has been censored by the government We have access to it on our phones, on our computers. We can buy them at a secular bookstore. And so we're thankful for that, Lord. I pray that you would give us the extra diligence to read your Word, to hear the preaching, to take notes, to meditate on it, to go back, to listen again, to listen to others, to talk about your Word in biblical fellowship. But never, Lord, may we be content stopping there. May we excel still more to a completion of the Christian faith lived out practically in this life and be doers of the word. Help us to stop the delusion. May we practice what we know. Repenting, pursuing, striving, excelling. Use us to that end for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name